be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. The electric tension crackled throughout the sellout crowd for the finale of the 1994 NBA playoffs. Hubert Davis of the New York Knicks was tipping up for a foul shot in the last seconds of the well-fought game. With a great skill and athletic ease for which he was known, Davis sank two, foul, two free throws and won the game. And after the victorious game, a reporter asked Davis what was going through his mind as he was preparing for his decisive shot. He answered, I was thinking of my father. Great testimony about the importance of being a father. Henry Van Dyke once said, what do I owe my father? Everything. A group of 10-year-olds was asked what a father was. One girl said, only a father would ride on a roller coaster with me, come off with a green face, and say he had a good time. A boy said, I like my dad, because when I was five, he would play football with me, but now he can't play football because he is 30. Another boy put his answer in a, in a different way. I was born because I wanted to be like my dad. Fatherhood is important. Fathers are important. During the Second World War, fathers of families were not subject to the draft, as men could obtain an exemption for working in, in, in an industry essential to the war effort so they could be exempted for being the head of a family. The government wisely understood that the family was as essential to the well-being of America as were those war-related industries, and fathers were essential to the family. In 1943, the draft pool of single men or married men without, who were not fathers, began to shrink considerably. The United States then began to consider drafting fathers. A Gallup poll at the time found 68% of Americans preferred drafting those single men employed in industries essential to the war effort or single women for non-combat service than drafting fathers. The decision to draft fathers was an extremely controversial and unpopular one. At the conclusion of the war, a decision had to be made who would come home first. A survey of servicemen found that most of them believed the first criterion should be combat service, and the next criterion should be if there were fathers. Public opinion was behind bringing home fathers first regardless, and a bring home, bring home daddy campaign began across this country. The late anthropologist, Polish anthropologist, Bronislaw Malinowski, sums up what the fatherhood means in society. The most important moral and legal rule concerning the physiological site of kinship is that no child should be brought into the world without a man, 
and one man at that, assuming that of sociological father, that is, of guardian and protector, the male link between child and the rest of the community. I think that this generalization amounts to a universal sociological law. But this universal law is not only questioned today when one out of every three households do not have a resident father, but even denied. And so fatherhood, already in a precarious state, is further destabilized. In the 1950s, when one did not have to keep your front and back door locked during the day, I lived in Detroit and we didn't, and you could walk down the street or through a park at midnight, and you could attend school without fear of being shot or knifed in a corridor or raped in the lavatory. And when fathers spent an average of two hours a week with their children, the popular song about fathers back then was sung by Eddie Fisher. Oh, my papa, oh, my papa, to me he was so wonderful. Deep in my heart, I miss him so today. Today in the third millennium, when we are captive in our own homes and we put metal detectors in our schools, and when fathers spend an average of seven minutes a week with their children. The most popular song of recent years was recorded by Madonna. Papa, don't preach. That was then. This is now. When David Blackenshorn wrote his book, Fatherless America, and it arrived in bookstores, it immediately became a bestseller. There seemed to be an ache in the heart of America that he addressed. He, directs our, he indicts our culture for being anti-father and anti-male. Fathers, he says, are being presented as superfluous, as unnecessary. In the book, Operating Instructions, a journal of my son's first year, author Anna Lamont writes, I don't have any idea what I will tell my son when he is old enough to ask about his father. I'll say that everybody ha doesn't have something and that he doesn't have with one thing. He doesn't have a father, but he doesn't also have a swimming pool. Anna Freud, the daughter of Sigmund Freud, a psychiatrist herself, studied in depth English children who were evacuated from London during the bombings. The sound of the air raid, air raid sirens struck fear and, and terror in the hearts of the English children during these difficult days. But Freud found that the children were less afraid of those bombs than they were of being separated from their parents. Note, I say parents. Several years ago, in an ABC special on this topic, so crucial to the well-being of our society. Investigative reporter John Stossel, who now works at Fox, pointed out that one can see the different roles of father and mother by observing the family in action. It is the father who tosses the child in the air or swings him around while the mother cautions him 
be careful. The program then went to a playground and saw a similar behavior there. The father is pushing the child on the swing. He's climbing up on the jungle gym with his son or daughter, urging them to go higher, higher, higher. Meanwhile, mom is there waiting to catch her son or daughter if they should fall. This is the way God made the family. That is why he made and gave us both a mother and a father. The father is the one who calls his children to dare to do things, to, to be challenged, take risks. He encourages them to achieve impossible dreams. And the mother is the safeguard. Is the father really necessary? Certainly he is, because God made him so. Our blessed Lord and Savior called his heavenly father Abba, our daddy, and instructed us to do the same. And although he was God and had Mary as his mother, Christ also wanted a man in his young life. He wanted St. Joseph, St. Joseph who protected him and Mary. Joseph who had taught him the trade of a carpenter and how to play whatever games they played back then. St. Joseph was God's vote of confidence in fatherhood. We find in Holy Scripture what God has designated as a role of a father to instruct, to provide for, to encourage, to discipline, and rebuke, to exhort. The father is the guardian of the home. St. John Chrysostom compared the father's relationship to his family to that of a bishop and his diocese. How do you be a father? By imitating the example of St. Joseph, by imitating and following the instructions of, Swift, of Scripture. The people, young people at Colossus and Ephesus must have met with St. Paul during his journey there, discuss and tell him about their dads. Because he wrote to the fathers at Colossus, Fathers, do not exasperate your children, for fear they grow disheartened. And to the father at Ephesus, he admonished, You fathers, again, must not goad your children to resentment, and give them in, but give them instruction and then correction which belongs to the Christian upbringing. Certainly fathers make mistakes, sometimes big mistakes. But in exercising your fatherhood, you are not condemned to live in ignorance or to follow blind guide experts, nor are you shackled to the past pattern of your own father. Through the sacramental grace that came from the sacrament of matrimony, you will do your job as a father, not perfect, but as best you can, and better than anyone else can. Fatherhood has never been an easy task, and today it is extremely difficult with our decadent society. This is anti-family, anti-marriage culture. Now what is a father to do? Pray, pray, pray. In the Bible, in the book of Judges, Manoah becomes perplexed 
when he's informed by an angel that his wife, who has long been childless, is now expecting a child, a son. The joy of the news is overshadowed by Manoah's doubts. They can measure up to the role of a father. He's had no experience, and he's going to have a boy. What advice do you give a son? How do you discipline him? When do you encourage? So Manoah did what all good fathers do. He turned to God in prayer and asked him to guide him. The boy was born and became Samson. Fathers, you are irreplaceable. You are unique. You are loved. Without you, the family is crippled and the house is not a home. Every child deserves a father and a mother because God willed it so. The greatest tragedy is for that divine will to be thwarted. Fathers, what is the greatest thing you could do for your children? To amass a great fortune, to will it to your children, to provide an education, to provide food and lodging? No. The greatest thing you can do for your children is to love their mother. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.